We're beginning uh, the 14th chapter of Luke today. And um, if you recall, in our last lesson, it was a couple weeks ago when we met, uh, we <clears throat> he had been approached, the Lord, the Lord had been approached by some Pharisees, and they said, Herod wants to kill you, so you better get out of town. And and <clears throat> so he dealt with them. And and <clears throat> so now we're into chapter 14. It says, and, and it came to pass, there in Luke 14, 1, <clears throat> and it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. And behold, there was a, a certain man before him which had the dropsy and Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees saying is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day and they held their peace and he took him and healed him and let him go and answering them saying which of you shall have an ass or an ox fall into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day and they could not answer him again to these things so it's interesting that he answers some un, unasked questions here. He, he knows their thoughts afar off, and he and he and he gives a reply to what he knows is in their minds and in their hearts. And uh, as we begin this lesson, I kind of started off uh, kind of on a different train of thought about uh, looking at this from the the man that had the dropsy, which is uh, nowadays we call that edema, where you're all your capillaries leak fluid into your surrounding tissues and it's caused by congestive heart failure and so you have all this swelling around your extremities and hands and ankles and legs and feet and uh, it's a terrible uh, disease and uh, uh, kind of one of the main uh, uh, things that can cause that's congestive heart failure and, and uh, there's other, other organs that can cause it but uh, that seems to be like the main one. But as I was going into this, I just couldn't get past, and it came to pass. <laughs> it's such a powerful statement there. And, and as I was mentioning to Norm this morning, that, that phrase is used 132 times in just the book of Luke. It's just like a, 132 times, he's, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. And so I wanted to look at that because it's such a, it's such a strong statement about God and and <clears throat> and so we want we want to look at that and and it's always important that we try to catch hold of why why was this written for the church why was this recorded why was what's the value to the church in this and and boy it just tells us so much about the redemption of the church here <clears throat> and <clears throat> there's these circumstances that we looked at that are that are seem to be incidental to this, but they're really because of it came to pass. And it was a Sabbath day, a day to pause and consider, a day free from our works. And Hebrews chapter four says, He that enters into the Lord's rest, the Lord's Sabbath, has ceased from his own works and is depending totally on the finished work of Christ. So that him kind of intimated that we sang a little while ago uh, that uh, the works are finished from the before the foundation of the world 
it tells us in Hebrews uh, chapter 4. And it's a day to pause and thank God for his work in our behalf, for his finished work. And, and of course, secondly, uh, the Lord went to the home of this Pharisees and uh, this chief Pharisee. And, and as we go on down through the rest of this block here, not the part we're in today, but... Uh, the next section where he delves into parables, he talks about those that were bidden to these feasts. And so we apply that backwards to this, those that were bidden to this this dinner at this Pharisee's house. And we find there was Pharisees, there was lawyers, and there was this man that was had this terrible uh, edema issue, this dropsy it's called. And... <clears throat> And so now we come to this opening words. It it came to pass, and and you know we look at that word, and and as it's translated in various applications, and sometimes it's uh, translated when it was, like when it in Matthew fourteen fifteen it says, and when it was evening. It indicates uh, something that became. It became evening. Uh, sometimes it describes. Sometimes it's translated "be," and it it describes an existing condition or something that's being caused to exist. But the the most times, it's just translated. It came to pass. And and uh, it's something. It's almost always related to the Lord to God and it describes uh, something resulting or caused by sovereign foreordination purpose decree appointment and and that's the most time that that application is used and and it came to pass presupposes an activity or a purpose of God which then had results according to that purpose in activity. You know, in religion, a lot of times they like to say, well, God looked down into his crystal ball and he saw who would believe. And then, and then he then he predestinated them or then he did this or then he did that. But when he looked down into his crystal ball, you know what he saw? Sinners that needed to be saved by grace. <laughs> he saw nobody that would seek God. He saw nobody that would understand. He saw nobody that would come to him. He said, how often would I have gathered you and you, and you would not? And, and so we, f- we find that uh, it's their idea of things are, is exactly the opposite of the way that things actually occur. And, and <clears throat> so uh, I was looking through this and, and it reminded me of back in December of 2021, last year, Norm brought this message from Zechariah, uh, chapter 8 verse 20 and, and the the message there was it shall come to pass and everything that God said shall come to pass came comes to pass <laughs> it either has come to pass already or it's in the process of coming to pass or it will come to pass it says I, I can't emphasize how strongly enough that word when God Almighty says something shall happen, that it's not up to anything, but it shall it shall happen, and uh, 
everything that he said shall come to pass will absolutely come to pass. And I, I mentioned to Norma, I think that that phrase is used 126 times in the Old Testament. And, uh, and we just see so much of it uh, in the Gospels here. And it came to pass, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. And we're going to look at some examples of that. We're going to look at the principle behind God's purpose and God's will and his causation and, and the results of that as, and because it's so important that we, we have an understanding of that as we, as we go through the scriptures because it sheds so much light on what's going on. He, he's going to this dinner and it's not just by random chance that he's going to have supper with his Pharisee. It's not by random chance that this man is there with a terrible disease of the heart. It's, it's not by random chance that he gives answer to these that didn't verbally ask a question. It's not by random chance that he, he healed that man on the spot. None of this is by random chance. It's all by the determinate counsel and will of God that all these things come to play. And so we're going to look at some things that, that bring that to our attention. Uh, you know, two examples that invoke this phrase, it shall come to pass, that we'll look at from the Old Testament. We could look at 126 of them if we wanted to, but we, we're just limited on time here. So we're just going to look at a few here. Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And... Uh, Boy, as I was, Norm and I were talking about this this morning in the office, and we were saying it's so important to look at the context of what's being discussed here, and what's written for our admonition, what's written for our edification, <clears throat> because it 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 makes you understand what God is doing and what what has transpired in Joel chapter two verse thirty two. And it shall come to pass that whosoever, and he's referring to Jews or Gentiles here, whosoever, doesn't matter if they're a Jew or a Gentile, whosoever, Jew or Gentile, shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. And we find that applied in Romans chapter 10, Verse 13, where Paul, he looks, he applies this and, and also in Romans 11, 5. We'll, we'll just read those here and <clears throat> real quick. But uh, uh, in first, just a quick note from First Timothy, because Norm had that in the bulletin here today. In First Timothy, <laughs> uh, he said, there's a statement there regarding God's eternal purpose and decrees regarding his relationship with the church before the world began. He's called us with a holy calling and, and brought us into Christ. And he says before the world began that, that occurred, that decree, that decree and that result. And uh, so back to our text here from uh, Joel where Paul quotes that in Romans chapter 10 in verse 12 he says for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord is rich unto all that call upon him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved 
So he, he immediately applies this to the Jew and, and Gentile as, as, as did uh, uh, Joel. And, and also he goes, he goes past that in Romans chapter 11, verse 5, and he says, even so at this present time also there's a remnant according to the election of grace. Both those things are recorded in Joel. Uh, the, uh, the remnant, uh, the, the, the Jews, the Gentiles, who, whomsoever the Lord shall call, all that found in, in Joel. And then in Numbers uh, chapter 21, verse 8, we have a, a, a deal that everybody's familiar with. Uh, <clears throat> Numbers 21, 8, the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent. And set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. Well, it came to pass, and every one that did look on that uh, was saved alive. And and then we have the application of that. That was a that was a picture. They were all bitten by that fiery serpent that represented sin in the desert. And there was a picture of the Christ being lifted up and and we find that in John chapter 3 verse 14 and the Lord said and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life and boy that taken out of context that is the basis for universal salvation uh, and self will uh, whosoever will just Come on down. You know what it says right after that, though, is is that uh, they they rejected him. <laughs> they wouldn't come. And uh, if you read the rest of that uh, block of scripture in John chapter three, you'll find out that uh, not not many people would partake of that. So, uh, <clears throat> so back to our all uh, our text verse there, and it and it came to pass. Uh, we have to understand that since since God is the source of all things, everything created that are in heaven, that are in earth, uh, everything is created by Him. The script the Scripture states unequivocally that that all things are under His sovereign purview and are moving and working in accordance with His eternal will and purpose. Nothing is random. Well, I just get fascinated when I look at things. Everything is in order. Everything, everything operates in an order. There's nothing random. And, and they, you know, they first they thought, well, you know, we have molecules. That's the smallest thing. And then we found out that molecules are made up of atoms. And then we found out that atoms are made out of neutrons and protons and electrons. And then we find out that the protons are made up of quarks and and smaller and smaller and smaller things. And each one of those things has a relationship that performs in, in an orderly fashion. And, and if we could get down and look at that smaller, we would find infinitely everything is operating in, in order according to God's will and purpose. Uh, and, you know, it, it tells us that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, For by him... That's the God by Him. All were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, 
visible and invisible. We can't we can't look at those neutrinos and those quarks and mol we can we can't see with our unless we have special equipment we can't see those things but they're there. Uh, <clears throat> All things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And sometimes we just overlook <clears throat> that, that, that last clause there where it says, for him. They were not just created. He didn't just create the world and say, well, I want, it'll be like an ant farm. We'll just put it in the window and see what happens. <clears throat> it's, uh, it was created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's the glue that holds the fabric of the universe together, causes everything to operate according to his will and purpose, and everything <clears throat> everything works according to his will. <clears throat> and so we find that in Acts also, in Acts chapter 17, another another instance of this, in Acts chapter 17, verse 26 and 27, 28, <clears throat> and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined, that's a powerful word that's always applied to God. He, hath, he determines things and, and they go according to his determination. He hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So wherever men are, wherever they go, whatever they do, it's because he has, he has assigned that. He has appointed it. He has determined it. He had determined the times before appointed that they should seek the Lord if haply. You know, that's a, that word means perhaps drawing a conclusion or an inference. It's not happily. It's haply. It's like the word where you would get perhaps from. And it, it means drawing a conclusion or an influ influence, perhaps. <clears throat> if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. And that's that's kind of what some of the Greek poets said uh, uh, that in that regard. And, and in the beginning of Romans, he said, you know, the, the creation tells tells us that there is a God of order, tells us there is a God of creation. The very everything bears witness of his hand and yet uh, to to many it's it's invisible to him to them. Uh, it came to pass reveals uh, much of the results of God's effectual working for the redemption of the church to to those uh, whom he gave Christ in the covenant of grace and and in time caused them to be called by the gospel of his son and born again from above. All those things are you know, what he has determined and appointed and, and caused to come into play. Every one of the people that he gave Christ in the covenant of grace, he's going to intersect them with the gospel because he said it's the power of God unto salvation. And God chose by the foolishness of preaching that gospel to save them that believe and and then we find that we believe according to the working of his mighty power uh, in which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead there in Ephesians 1 19 <clears throat> uh, 
all these things are are causative and 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 reflective of that of that cause and it, you know it came to pass exactly as God foreordained it in his sovereign purpose uh, there's a very great verse in Isaiah chapter 14 verse 24 that describes this this fact it, <clears throat> the Lord of hosts has sworn saying surely as I have thought so shall it come to pass and as I've I have purpose, so shall it stand. So his purpose and his thoughts toward the church are inextricably linked together. His his purpose, uh, I was reading Robert Haldane, and he said uh, that God ordained something, God decreed something, and then he could see that result. He could foresee that result, but it was because he decreed it and because he appointed it. Uh, and so those things are linked together. And uh, oftentimes that foreordination and foreknowledge are they're pretty much almost the same exact word. They're just a little bit different application in them, but uh, they're, they're the same root word basically. Uh, and again, we saw that in First Timothy, where his eternal purpose and decree regarding his relationship with the church before the world began, he he saved us and called us with a holy calling. Let's let's turn over and read that there because it's very, very uh, powerful verse there in First Timothy, uh, chapter one. my place here second Timothy they've pulled a norm <laughs> second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 who has saved us and called us with an holy calling not according to our works nothing to do with merit as the scriptures are so clear on before the children were even born, before they had done anything good or bad. He said, he's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. What a powerful statement about the church. And we all just say, oh, thank God for that, because without that, we're just, we'd just be doomed, you know, because we wouldn't come to him on our own. We wouldn't, we wouldn't, uh, want anything to do with it we're basically at enmity with him and opposed to everything uh, in, that he does or says or uh, has to do with so uh, <clears throat> with that I wanted to look at a, several examples of the principle of God's sovereign purposes that are effected eternally and in time and then are readily available in the uh, to read in the scriptures and in a couple of them that everybody's really familiar with Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign he shall do this behold a virgin shall conceive this is he's 
He's foreordained that. He has decreed this. He has appointed it. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Even down to the name and the details of it are all all described in the Old Testament. And it came to pass. We find in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. She shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is being interpreted God with us. So we, we find that that determinate counsel of God in in the the appointed time when his son would come and be born of a virgin and and not participate in the Adamic line from the from the, the male side there and and then we find out even the place of his birth was appointed and determined. Uh, Micah five two, thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the nation, the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting boy what a mouthful there the the eternal nature of God the Lord uh, where he's going to be born what circumstances and it came to pass in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 it says now when Jesus was born he was he was born and he was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Matthew 2, 1. <laughs> it's a fact. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 42, uh, <clears throat> verse 6, has a, a principle here of the Gentiles being uh, called because we, we read that from Joel and Romans where... Uh, <clears throat> not the Jews only, but the Jews and the Gentiles. And in Isaiah 42, 6, it says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thy hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. And then we find again Paul referencing that in this this wonderful passage in, in Acts where he and Barnabas were preaching the gospel and the Jews rejected it and rebelled against it. In Acts 13.46, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, Well, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying... I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles that thou should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. I'm glad. (laughs) So glad. They were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. And here is an interesting conclusion. He says, And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed the ones that God ordained from before the foundation of the world, those that he, that he called with a holy calling and saved uh, in Christ before the foundation of the world. As many as were ordained, uh, and that just means appointed. They were appointed 
to eternal life and the Holy Spirit worked in them and they believed. <clears throat> to the others, as Norman said here in a previous message, some just heard it thunder. And some just said, well, this is a lot of gibberish. This is a hard saying. Who, who, can, who can do this? Not me, so I'm leaving. <clears throat> as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And a lot of in religion, they like to kind of turn that around to as many as believed were then ordained to eternal life. But that's not what it says. It's very clear. In Hosea uh, chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. You know, when you get uh, to spiritual Israel and the picture that's described to us in Revelation, it was a multitude that no man could number of every tongue and kindred nation, tribe from every corner of the world. They shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You're not my people, there it shall be said unto them, You are the sons of the living God. Boy, what a, a word that says, you know, Israel, national Israel put him away and rejected him, and yet he uh, opened it for the Gentiles there. And, and then we find that there were a lot of Gentiles previous to this that were uh, called in uh, in Hosea chapter 2 verse 23 says and I will sow her unto me in the earth and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy and I will say to them which were not my people thou art my people and they shall say thou art my God boy what a powerful statement for no wonder those Gentiles were were I'm glad that uh, somebody brought this to our attention and preached the gospel to us and and the Holy Spirit caused us to b believe. Uh, you know, we find that again applied in Romans in chapter 9. Uh, and uh, as I read this, I thought, boy, what a great application we have here in the text that we're in in, in Luke. <clears throat> Romans 9.22, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, Endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Isn't that just what's happening there when the Lord is having supper with these Pharisees? He's putting up with a lot of stuff from them. They have threatened to kill him. They wanted to stone him. They rejected him. They accused him of all kind of heinous stuff. But according to his purpose, he 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 put up, he endured it. He endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath that were fitted to destruction. That tells you his determinate counsel regarding certain ones. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. There's this man with this terrible disease there, a vessel of mercy. Even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, as he said in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You're not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. So we have that, that application of it shall come to pass and and it came to pass. So as we look at these principles applied in 
a dear friend of mine called the golden chain of redemption in Romans chapter 8. I don't, I don't know if he invented that or if he read it somewhere, but uh, there's, since there's not very much new, I would say somebody, somebody originated that sometime. Some but in Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 28, we apply all these principles that we've learned about God's uh, determinate counsel and we learn about his uh, what we learned about his <clears throat> uh, his will and his purpose and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are all the called according to his purpose and and that verse gets maligned quite a bit because you know people apply it when things are going well but but we oftentimes forget about it when things are not uh, good and and I was thinking of this <clears throat> this section from the Old Testament where it's like the bitter waters of Marah. Nobody could drink of it until the tree of Christ was thrown into the water and then it became sweet. But it was a, it was a trial to them. It was, all, oh, we're going to die. We can't drink this. And, and there's so many things like that in life that that until we see the until we see the tree of Christ be thrown into it and turn it into something sweet, usually in retrospect, <laughs> we we don't see it at the time. And and you know the the you thought evil against me. That's what they what Joseph said. You thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to save much people alive. <clears throat> so the ultimate example of God overriding evil for good to accomplish his eternal purpose. We can find an example of that in Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. The determinate counsel, his his determinate will, his determinate purpose that God, that Christ in the covenant of grace would lay down his life a ransom for those that the Father gave him in the covenant of grace. We can, you could go there to John 17 and read a little more about that. Uh, but uh, we, it just shows us that God determines and then we have the results. We have the effectual application of it. And then we go on here and, and <clears throat> Romans 8:29 for whom and this this talks this is not whom is a person word whom describes people whom describes individual specific persons and it's not a what as so so often religion changes that into uh, the application of into what he for what he did for no he he knew who would believe he knew what who would believe and not believe him. But it's for whom he did foreknow, whom he had a relationship with from eternity. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And we note the eternal foreknowledge accompanied with his sovereign decree. They're, they're folded together and, and linked and can't be taken apart. The one is the one is causative and, and the other is the, the action and the result. <clears throat> for whom he did for no, 
he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren and I think if in the lessons before it's been brought out that those are the in the pluperfect tense uh, uh, something that exists uh, and in verse 30 moreover as if that wasn't good news enough he says moreover more than that whom he did predestinate them that's the whom that we talked about in, in verse 29 them he also called and whom he called them he also justified and whom he justified them he also glorified boy what a what a wonderful statement about redemption and how God purposes it all and determines it and at the point in time calls his people intersects them with the gospel of the his dear son and his sacrificial laying down of his life for the sheep and we find this principle exhibited in Ephesians again uh, we have the election and we have the decree here in Ephesians 1 uh, verse 4 according as he has chosen that's the election part that uh, often gets maligned in scripture and re in re religion according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world then we have the decree that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will all these determinate purposes and the will of God applied to the church effectually and he says of all the father give me I'll, I'll not lose any everyone that the father gives me shall come to me and they come to him because he says no man can come unto me unless the father draw him see how all these purposes and will and and the effectual nature of it is all woven together in that fabric of grace that that brings us uh, to him when when we we just wouldn't come <clears throat> you know in acts fifteen eighteen it says known unto god are all his works from the beginning of the world <laughs> not just some works <clears throat> not well i know this and that every single work that he's involved in which is everything that was we read from colossians <clears throat> He knows all his works <clears throat> from the beginning of the world. <clears throat> In quote here from uh, Robert Haldane, <clears throat> he determined with himself from eternity everything he executes in time. What a wonderful statement about God and his sovereignty. <clears throat> he saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began <clears throat> how powerful is that how wonderful is that for the church and how that gives us grace and and <clears throat> builds us up in in him and and we know that uh, it's because of his effectual work in us that that all this has taken place and so in our text today in, in Luke chapter 14, and we'll, we'll kind of try to scoot through the rest of this real quick here, but, <clears throat> and it came to pass. All, all the things that we're going to read 
everything that occurred are not by random act or chance. It came to pass as he went to the house of a Pharisee, the chief Pharisee, to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. Uh, you know this this word watched is a it's a it's not just like well I'm going to watch TV and it means it has a meaning of to note insidiously which is defined as proceeding in a gradual subtle way but with harmful effects sneaky surreptitious cunning crafty treacherous they thought it evil against him but he meant it for good he was there by divine appointment and all the things that happened he healed on the Sabbath day and that was going to like put them over the edge a little bit and he kept doing it and the things that he said and the truths that he taught eventually would ca cause them to to arrest him and and we know how that that turned but uh, the actions of the Pharisees were predetermined by God you know the scripture says whom he will he hardeneth <laughs> they saw a miracle right there in front of their eyes he healed this guy with, a, with this edema he had to have healed his heart and he had to deal with you know your hands are all swelled up you your ankles were all swelled up. Your, my mom suffered from that horribly because she had that congestive heart failure, and her, her you could, her there was just a little wrinkle where her ankles used to be. <laughs> it was awful, and her feet were all swelled up. She couldn't wear shoes, and and so this guy had an obvious problem. I mean, and it's and it, I don't think it was by accident that he was there. They probably said we need to get somebody here that looks like they need some attention so that we can trap Jesus into doing something on the Sabbath day and then we can accuse him because he answering them said is it legal for me to heal on the Sabbath day and they did not say a word it's not recorded that they asked him anything but he answering their thoughts said I know what's on your mind but happily that's what's been revealed about it came to pass against thy holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done how much clearer could that be that's just like you'd think that that would just be enough to convince people about God's sovereignty and everything but uh, they, it, unless the spirit reveals it to them they, they just don't see it so they, this, this man he took him unto him it says he took that man unto him and healed him and let him go so we'll stop there God's eternal purpose and decree regarding his relationship with the church from the before the world began and so as we get together the next time we'll look at some of these customs and and uh, things that deal with these type of gatherings that the Lord is at and and the words that he used to describe what's going on and so until the next time uh,
we'll close from John 8:36. This man was this man with a demon was freed from his addic his affliction. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So my closing words are always be free. Thank you for your attention and see you next time. <laughs>